Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. is episode 244 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Will Traxler of Traxmaster Software about their arcade adventure title, Exception. But before we delve into that, let's have a little chat about what else is under Kane and Rince's vast umbrella. On Mondays is Kane and Rince itself, yes, the origin of this very podcasting fraternity. Is that the right phrase? Probably isn't. But anyway, Mondays out every week. This week it's covering Super Hot. Or so to say, Super Hot. An extraordinary game that has been ported to many, many platforms, both regular and VR. I actually highly recommend the VR version. It's the best one, in my humble opinion. On Wednesday we have Sound of Play, where they celebrate the scores of video games. That's musical scores not ratings. I love that joke. I will continue to say it every week, whether you like it or not. And on, on Thursdays, there's Playwright, or Play Semicolon Right. This is a show with two people called Ryan making up games based on the ideas sent to them by their listeners. It is highly entertaining. Do check it out. And of course, it's Fridays, which is The Sausage Factory, which is what you're listening to right now. So you've probably known it already. If you want to know more about all those shows, check out the archives and that kind of thing of every single episode, then you can pop along to canerince.com and download them from there. Also, while you're there, you can have a read of some blog posts, look at some videos, and maybe, if you're really daring, pop along to the forums that are active in the year 2019. How strange. But yes, do pop along there. Very welcoming, very... Nice people there, unlike Twitter. Now, on Sundays, you have me streaming a random game on Twitch. 8pm, British Summertime or GMT, depending on what time of year it is. Um, now, I had a bit of a break last week because I was at PAX West. But I'm back this, this week with something to be determined. 
there's some debate about what I should do. I think I, did, I was thinking Robotron for reasons. Don't know why. Probably end badly, but I think it needs something a little bit more meat than that. If you want to chuck us some coin, you can. Yes. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Rinse, you can chuck us $1 a month. That's it, it's only one tier. That's right. $1 a month. That's US dollar, by the way. And uh, in exchange, you get Rinse one week early. That's right. Very nice. You also get unedited versions of said podcast. Normally, they're shrunk down to two hours. But uh, if you're a Patreon, you can get it extended edition. You know, director's cut and all that. Also, they get the platform exclusives. Uh, the last one that's, uh, that w- was recorded was the one on Amiga, which I was part of. That was fun. So, yes. Chuck some coin if you like to get stuff. More content, early, extended, that kind of thing. And we're very, very appreciative, of course, of all our subscribers under Patreon. So thank you very, very much for that. Without you, there'd be no show. None of them. That's right. Terrible thought. Now, enough of that. Let's hear me, from the past, talk to Will Traxler about Exception. Take it away, me. Will, who are you and what do you do? (laughs) Yeah, my name is Will Traxler. I am a one-man developer based in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm here in my world headquarters, which is a spare bedroom in my house. And I just recently released a uh, platformer game called Exception. Indeed you have. Now, I first encountered it at PAX East, I think, or West. They kind of merge into two, my friend. Um, but I'm not sure which one you went to, but it wasn't a mega booth or a mini booth. That's correct. It was walking around and you were there, very excited, and lots of people sort of... Because it's a very pretty game. Exception is a very, very, very pretty game. We'll talk about that later, but uh, certainly eye-catching. And the attract mode, you've really got that nailed. It was really good. (laughs) Thank you. um, No, so when I saw it, I thought, I've got to get him on the show, but it's uh, it's been a a while since, and you probably don't remember me. But because um, a lot of people came to that booth, um, but uh, no, it's, it was personal personal highlight for me because uh, it's something I do. I go to Pax West in uh, a week now from the time of recording, um, or almost a week, a week, week and a couple of days. I'm counting the days. So I do enjoy Pax. It's a unique experience. Um, so uh, yeah. So before we delve into that though, as you've already said, it's your first game. But uh, you know, how did you make your start? then making this game or making games generally how did you give us a bit of potted history of, of will yeah it's it's kind of a convoluted weird story um oh, we like those go on yeah, yeah that's right you might want to tune out now if you don't <laughs> um i started out when i graduated from college um working in uh kind of in, in a financial risk management role for a, a local bank and uh eventually worked my way through that for about uh, I think 11 or so years and eventually kind of got a little bit disillusioned with pushing numbers around all day and decided I wanted to try something a little bit different and um, got into learning some of the basics of coding uh, for just desktop apps and that sort of thing in my spare time and uh, eventually got to the point where I was kind of so tired of the number crunching stuff that I decided to kind of step away for a little bit. I'd put in a, a lot of time into that and wanted to venture out into something a little bit more creative. 
And uh, that uh, departing uh, the bank world, I went into uh, doing desktop development for myself and then decided I really want to do something really fun. And from there, I uh, started kind of dipping my toe in the water in game development, uh, just learning a little bit about it, playing around with Unity and all the popular tools and stuff like that. And over time, decided, you know, I'm just going to try and make a go at a project. Uh, thought I would start out with a small project, which would last maybe a, a year to a year and a half, and <laughs> ended up taking substantially longer. So that's kind of how I got pointed into the game development path. Okay. And was it something you expected to find yourself like, uh, no, let's... Let's do this. This is just disgustingly creative and completely different to where I spent many years training as a student and a and a, 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 a young adult, I should say. Is, mm-hmm. it, is, it, is it something that is is it is it something you always had an inkling for? Is it obviously? I mean, the the quality of the game tells me that you like your games. But is it? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to say that, but you know, you get a lot of people who might have drifted in later. But it sounds like you've always been, you know, sitting there. With, thumb twiddling or maybe mouse clicking and keyboarding i don't know but, yeah. um, or both probably at the same time um those flight simulators can be really weird anyway what am i going with this so yeah um is it something you always had an inkling for sounds like you must have done must have some driver yeah yeah i mean when i when i was a very young child and uh, this, this is speaking to my age um my parents got an atari 2600 at one point and, uh, you know, as a little kid, that was like just the greatest thing in the world back in those days to, you know, have the little yeah. joysticks and everything. I must confess, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it now because of, of uh, uh, you know, hitting early sort of 50 soon. No, I'm not kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I had an Intellivision as a kid. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, oh yeah, one of those, an one Intellivision of those. person, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do carry on, I interrupted. So, but yeah, yeah, go on. But, yeah, so I, uh, you know, I was really exposed to, uh, I guess I feel like my, my brain was kind of wired for video games at a very early age, and especially for primitive, basic, easy-to-pick-up style games, and over the years, you know, I kind of stuck with the video game thing through, you know, the the old original Nintendo, and I think I had a Genesis and a Super Nintendo, and it's kind of the progression from there on out. And, uh, in, you know, in deciding how to uh, approach this project, I, I think those older systems and the simplicity of the games back in those days really played a, a critical role in how I came up with this one. It's one of those things where I think you once you're kind of born into something, it's kind of hard to shake it, and here I am, you know, 40 years later and I'm still kind of doing the same basic thing I was when I was two years old so let's take a scenario where someone like yourself who's been working a job they're okay with it they're fine earns a living a reasonable one you know it's a it's a job that needs to be done you know I'm I'm sort of putting words in your mouth here but that's what I get an impression from your your career in the your the, the work you've been doing it's been like it earns a wage I guess but there's mm-hmm. no fire under your belly to get it you know to, to work on it yeah, yeah, so, and yeah, and just just to expand on that, you know, the, I'm not sure, you know, what, what the background is for everyone listening to the podcast, but you know, in in a lot of roles uh, in the business world and that type of thing, you, sometimes you feel like even if you're doing challenging work, that you're sitting on a conveyor belt and something comes in and you process it and do your thing to it, and you put it on the conveyor belt and it goes on to somewhere else, who knows where. And a lot of the stuff that you work on doesn't really have a sense of permanence to it in the sense that, you know, I can tell you with absolute certainty the work that I did uh, years and years ago has been completely forgotten. It's been, you know, crushed under the rubble of, you know, new transactions and new sorts of things like that. And uh, pursuing 
a, a video game project like this, you know, even though it may not be the perfect project and there's lots of areas I wish, uh, you know, I had more time to put into it. it. At least it does have a little bit of permanence in the sense that it will exist in a year. No one, maybe no one will play it in a year, but it will still be out there somewhere. You'd be surprised, sir. You'd be surprised. <laughs> um, the games have legs. Um, Binding of Isaac could be a great example. Spelunky. Mm-hmm. Still play that. I mean, I'm putting out really ridiculous examples here, but you know the 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 the. I mean, I could do Minecraft, but that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not just, a game at this point. Yeah, and made by a strange monster. Anyway, shouldn't say <laughs> that, but I'm not saying you would ever go down that path. Good God, will no. Um, but I tell you what, for for a billion dollars, I may do it. Yeah, well, indeed, but really, um, the point is that you know. I think just a very important lesson to be learned. I know people know this, but they probably don't understand it. They probably know it in their heads, but not in the, within them. It's okay to go, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to do this. And that's really, I'm not going to say brave. or No, no. You actually need to do it for your own sanity. So sometimes you go, you know what? The person next to me or either side of me must... Much really like doing this stuff, but for me, I just can't do it. I just mm-hmm. it. And uh, I want to do something else. I know I can do something else, and that's fine. It's great, and as we live in a world that allows us to do that. And it's just quite interesting, you know, the kind of books you read and the things you, you know, what the, the fact that, you know, we're talking about Atari 2600. Back in those days, and indeed the, cons- the consoles from, you know, that era up until the PlayStation, I think, there was no high-level languages, everyone. It was just straight machine code things, you know, basically assembly. You know, you had to have a switch there, and if you put that switch, then the other switch over there would then do the thing, provided the other switch was over there. And that's how games were written. It was just numbers, because uh, you know, all computers are just a series of switches. And that's ultimately what you're doing. Whereas now, the power of entry is much lower. And it's not a negative thing. It's a fantastic thing because it allows people like yourself and, and others to actually not having to learn assembly to get the most out of the performance out of games because that's what drivers do and that's what driver creators do now. That's not your job anymore, thank heavens. Um, I'm right in saying all this, yes? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if it weren't for the, uh, the lower barrier to entry, there's no chance that I would have to uh, produce a game. No, I need and things dumbed down. Indeed. Well, to a point, you still need C sharp, in my opinion, if you're using Unity. Mm-hmm. Um, although some of the most celebrated games out there have been made using Game Maker entirely. No other code, just Game Maker, and that can be done. And again, it's just it's fine. Nothing wrong with that. It's great. It's just all creative endeavors. But it's just that we live in a time when, you know, that's 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 really empowering to, to hear that. So thanks thanks for sharing that, that, that story with us. So next question. And by the way, this, this show is a bit like a video game. It gets harder as it goes on. <laughs> so this next one is going to be, I think you might have already answered it in, in an indirect way, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And it's a bit of a nebulous question, so bear with me. What, as a creator of things, Will... Is your biggest influence? Oh gosh, uh, is a, and it, it it doesn't have to be specific to games or just creative. Well, activity you created and... this exception, so yeah. you created this, um, 
and all, any other creative endeavour, really, what do you think is the thing you gravitate towards more than anything, whether you like it or not? Gosh, um, hmm. I, I think I, I think as an influence for what went into this project, um, I, I can tell you that as I was producing it, what what kept flashing in my mind was uh, being in a bowling alley, sitting on a stool at the age of probably three or four looking at a game screen with the kind of, uh, you know how you have that kind of fluorescence that kind of comes off the CRT monitors in a game and it has a little bit of a blur around each of the pixels and it kind of gives off a, you know, sort of a, a neon-esque type of glow. And that was kind of the aesthetic from a creative standpoint that I kind of referred back to the whole time. So even though it's not a specific project or person, I think just that moment in time is what was the creative driver for me. That's that's really quite profound, I think. In that, whether you're profound or poetic, I don't know. But just think that your earliest, one of your earliest memories, it sounds like, you saw a screen. It might have been Pong on there. I don't know. <laughs> I think or, it was Donkey Kong. Or Night Driver. Or, yeah, Donkey Kong. Okay, fine. <laughs> that's even better. I'm happy it's not Pong. I still remember playing Pong when I was six with my brother. It's one of the earliest <laughs> video games I did encounter. Big yellow box. Didn't know what was going on. But I was only six at the time, so what did I know? I was rubbish <laughs> at it, just as I am rubbish at it now. But didn't stop me from uh, playing the video games uh, after all these years. And to hear that, just the aesthetic of the phosph, you know, the phosphorus, no, the the the, the, the CRT and the, the glow from the screen, and which you don't have anymore because technology's moved on and no one wants that anymore. Although. It's quite amusing that a lot of MAME cabinets and all sorts of technologies are desperately trying to downgrade the video <laughs> output from these 4K screens we now have. Like, it looks too crisp and I can't see. Why does everything look so terrible? Because that's how it really was. It was, you know, that's what the computer was squeezing out. Like, that's, that's what it looks like. It only, it only went all strange and glowy because of the technology used to display the images. Mm-hmm. So you try to recreate the sense of glowiness in uh, an exception. That's that's really good. Yeah, so to be inspired by a childhood memory, nothing wrong with that. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. So, yes, thank you. All right, next question then. Almost there, don't worry. <laughs> Is this, what developer do you most admire in, in the industry and why? Um, I have to admit that I did cheat a little bit because I, I did listen to the previous podcast oh. and some of the stuff you're talking about. But, but I'm See, glad you know what's I coming did. then. You know what's well, coming in the first half, yeah. Well, I've only got two of the questions written down, and so far we haven't come across those. <laughs> this is on the list, um, and I'm glad I did because I, it's really a hard question, and I wanted to give a thoughtful answer to it and the reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I guess this is, this was in respect to other developers and projects serving as a source of inspiration and admiration and um, you yeah, know basically but, you know doffing one's cap and go keep doing what you're doing you're very yeah. very good yeah yes exactly and um, you know one thing uh, from from participating in the PAX events and being a part of the indie mega booth mini booth however you want to phrase it is. Uh, seeing examples of developers that kind of did really well, uh, sold a lot of copies and then turned around and actually returned some of that back into the small developer community. And I can't, I don't know the individual person. I think it's a team of people, but the, the fellows that made dead cells, 
um, at least from the first event I went to, were very uh, active in giving back and participating in the mega booth. And uh, because of that, you know, number one, they made a fantastic game. And secondary to that is uh, taking some of the reaping some of the you know the benefits and turning and plowing that back into other developers and offering it to, to assist them. I think is a, uh, a a fantastic endeavor. Yeah, who are they called? I don't remember now, but uh, uh, I should have looked that up. I yeah, have, yeah, I have no yeah. excuse now. No, that's no, fine. I mean, we've, people know Dead Cells, fantastic game. You're absolutely right. Stormed everywhere. They 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 push that game all over it's, the place. It's they, twin motion twin is what it is. Motion That's what, twin. There yeah. you go. And I think um, they're out of France, and I think they do no. like some sort of setup where they, you know, they they have equal splits of the income amongst all the members of the partnership and that sort of thing. So they're they're very you know democratic in that sense. Nice, very good. Um, no, it's it's extraordinary, extraordinary game. Um, beautifully animated. Um, you and I know especially. Something I've sort of mentioned on the show before: when you have games that are pixel art, and but you and I know no SNES or Genesis or Mega Drive would have a hope of doing any of that animation at all. <laughs> no, it, no it would just it, it would just keel over and go. I can't do this. Go away. Yeah, it would. It would have a meltdown for sure. It would. Um, and uh, I do like playing old Mega Drive games and stuff. It's great, but uh, the flicker sir, starts to get a bit. <laughs> what? I know you and I know why it's there, but even still, oh god! Um, but uh, yeah, um, really, yeah, that's a really good response. Really good response to that question. Well done for the research. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the episode. I did. So, oh, absolutely, it was great. Yeah. Um, so, um, is there anything else? Any others you want to pluck out, or just the the? Is that, um. Is that... You know, anyone I would add would be always is because of my bias for meeting them in person. But I'll say that, uh, you know, for anyone that hasn't had an opportunity to uh, attend an event or, you know, interact with developers in person, every single person that I've ever met in any event has always been super nice and great and outgoing and easy to interact with. So anyone that's kind of on the fence about attending a PAX or a GDC or something along those lines should definitely take the plunge. Yeah. I think one of my favorite events is, um, is there something called the Left Field Collection, which happens at both something called Rezd, which is in mm-hmm. London, mm-hmm. and EGX, a Eurogamer Expo. I've heard of those. Yeah, and the Left Field Collection is basically a collection of games made by people, not necessarily for profit. In fact, nine times out of ten, they're not really made for real at all, or any any kind of you know monetary return. Just they made the games for the sake of it. That's it, and it's just, mm-hmm. and the the writing, the the the, the left field, there's writing of the names of the games, the player or the developers taken like a, a marker and it's written on the wall the name of the game. There's no big <laughs> banner, there's no posters, it's just them writing on the wall, and um, some of the weirdest and most brilliant games I've ever played are on that in that, and you, you can't play them ever again because they're not out for public consumption. And some of them are just utterly bonkers. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And it's hard to understate the importance of you know titles like that because you know if you don't have people out there that are trying new ideas that aren't purely driven by a profit motive, you know it's really hard to advance you know as an industry and as a as an art form. As an art form, exactly. And that's the point of left field. You just walk in there and go, "What was that? I don't know. Just accept it. Move on." Otherwise, you, if you start overthinking it, I think the best one was where it had these. Um, these two puppets with little 
touch sensors in their hands and their across their bodies, and it was linked to an iPad, and they basically had this little boxing game, but it was like with little puppets, and they would beat the living crap out of each other. <laughs> and it was just like, and someone said, well, how are you going to monetize this? And the developer looked and goes, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was... There was a title, uh, I, I was able to go to GDC in 2018, and there was a title there. You know, they have all the all the big stuff there. They have Sony and, you know, Microsoft and all the glitz and all the glamour and the big fancy graphics. But the one title that stands out to me was one where you held like a basically a, a toy syringe, and your goal was to inoculate uh, like a body or something, and you played it in tandem with another person. And, uh, you know, so it wasn't a very complicated game. It didn't have fancy overwhelming graphics but just the the creativity that went into that and uh it's one of those titles like you said it's going to be really hard to to make a dime off of it but it really stood out as something original and creative yeah yeah and also you know some of the most celebrated games around now like like you said uh, and 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 i've I've just discovered in the dark corner in like it does i don't know made this thing i don't know slay the spire Mm-hmm. There's a game that people are just harping on about at the moment. I saw that two years ago. I'm not one of those people like, oh, I discovered... No, no. just happened to find them in this corner of a expo hall that like, they're always really looking at them. And now this... I've had them on the show, so it's, it's great. But, uh, yes. Now, last question of the first half. You probably know what's coming as well. Uh, what are you playing right now? <laughs> yeah, this was the other question I, I cheated on, <laughs> and uh, I, I pulled up my Steam account just to see what I'd been playing and when. And the the last game that I played was a, a round of the division, and that was in back in April. So it was about four wow. months ago. It was the last time I played a real game. Okay. But uh, but I, I, in between then, though, I have been playing a lot of uh, emulated titles on Mame, mm. uh, primarily because you know they're they're games that if you have five minutes here or there. You can pick them up. There's not a 25-minute tutorial or anything elaborate that you have to go through. They're all designed to be picked up in you know two seconds flat. So uh, all, old old fighting games from the 90s are probably what I've been playing the most of lately. Any particular highlights when we talk about Street Fighter 2 Turbo Super Plus? Usually, usually, uh, I, I don't have the I don't have the mental fortitude to learn more than one or two games. So no. I've been I've been playing Street Fighter Third Strike. Okay. Uh, I think is the one I've been playing the most of because I and I only know one character in there, so right. that shows you how deep my knowledge is. Okay, and uh, yeah, Third Strike. It's not someone I play because they released the Street Fighter anthology, didn't they? That's right. Like, yeah, the entire selection of it's on Xbox. I think I got it on Xbox anyway, and it's fine. Because I have a controller, I have a an arcade stick controller which I swapped all the kit out for Sandwar because it had this junk in it. Well, I can't use that, so I threw it all out and put some Sandwar kit. There's no, they 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 knew that the makers of this controller knew people would do that, <laughs> <laughs> so they actually had it. So there's no soldering. You just basically just unplug it and plug the other one in. Like, okay, there you go. So, yeah, it's very clever. Like, yeah, we know what you're doing. You're just going to rip this to pieces, aren't you? Yeah, fine. Also, I, got one of those, I got one of those gigantic, like you probably have, one of those giant arcade-style right, yeah. stick things, and I have it in, yeah. a, in, a, in a case somewhere, and it's such a, a bear to get out and plug in and hook up. I probably use it twice a year. It's just too much trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it sits on my lap. It's not quite, it's not massive, but it's, it's good for two things. It's good for shoot-em-ups, like bullet hell shoot-em-ups. Mm-hmm. They're really good for that. 
and uh, they're also good, of course, for fighting games of whatever age or genre. They're really very good for for, for that. And uh, although I did put an eight gate, eight, eight way gate, on, which means it's easier to do the fireballs. Uh, it's cheating, but hey, no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for competition, so hey, it's not. It's not for competition. No, it would not be legal. I, I understand it. If you do put an eight gate in your in your joystick, they said no, can't, not allowed, because it basically locks into place. Mm-hmm. Imagine it. You just do it two clicks and you're in. Like that's a, that's a quarter turn. That's easy to to lock to to get your quarter turns in. Like imagine yeah. it. Like oh come on, you don't even try. Like, no, not really. <laughs> no, I'm too old to try. I just know I can do my quarter turns because my my gate tells me so. So anyway, and it took ten minutes, my friend. Ten minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. Ten anyway. minutes well spent. Oh yes, yes. But um, no, I, I think you're right. There's not. There should be more games that are just, you just pick them up and not not have to uh, endure maybe a psychological uh, mind job sort of trial of of uh, angst and, uh, and and kind of thing. Or you just have something, or you have you find yourself delving into this big four X game where you spend twenty hours when you only plan to spend ten minutes. Uh, building an empire that eventually gets implodes under its own weight, you know it's it. You, you're right. There should be more titles that just allow you to pick it up, play it for twenty minutes, and go. Okay, I've got to go out now. That's fine, fine. But apparently, it's not, <laughs> and uh, everything has to be Red Dead Redemption. Not that there's anything wrong with that game. It's just that. Imagine trying to play that twenty minutes at a time. You'd be there for decades. No, I mean when I when I, I I can tell that games these days are not built for me because you know I get home from work or something and I'm tired. You know I've been thinking hard all day. You know I don't want to do more work when I play yeah. a game. You know I just want to pick it up and go. Yeah, it just I mean I hear you loud and clear. Uh, although I still delve into things like you know Civ. I shouldn't mm-hmm. because you you know what happens when you start Civ. You, you, you think you'd be, oh, I'll just take him up to Iron Age, you'll be fine. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You always have to take it up to nuclear, don't you, Chris? You always have to do it, don't you? And then you go, oh, what happens if I nuke someone? No, don't. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one wants to start one of those games and then save it and come back two weeks later and then try and pick it up. You want to finish it all in one sit down. Because you don't know what you're bloody doing. Cause exactly. You had, you had plans. Yeah. Plans that were being hatched. You had a long game, and then you go, "Oh, I've got to stop this now and go back into it." No, anyway, fascinating stuff. But but the, the, now the exception's done, and it is everyone. It is done. Um, and we're about to talk about it in the second half, and this is like an adjunct question I've started to develop for 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 people because I realised that a lot of developers don't have time to play games at the moment because they're trying to release their one they've just made. So, what are you planning to play over over and above? Street Fighter and things. Anything else you sort of piqued your interest? Yeah, I've, I've I was <laughs> I was looking. Uh, apparently, I bought uh, one of the Metal Gear Solid games recently. I didn't realize it until I was looking through my Steam Steam library. Apparently, two two months ago, I bought it. So I think it's the Phantom Pain. Uh, okay, they definitely want to fire that up. But most of all, uh, you know, I've been kind of holding off on uh, buying anything that'll kind of distract me too much from getting this game finished. But I want to get one of the new Rift uh, headsets and uh, play around with that. And I don't really have any kind of uh, special or or unique plans with that. I I just want to play Robo Recall for like four or five hours straight until I get nauseous and, you know, get sick. Yeah, I think that um, 
for me, VR, I love VR. Okay, I, um, I'm not, I don't evangelize though, because it's not every, like every entertainment medium, it's not for everyone. Well, mm-hmm. it really isn't. However, uh, one of my favorite things I love to do when I have guests around is I always say, would you like to fly an X Wing? <laughs> and who, would, like, who would say no to that? Exactly. If you say no, I go, would you like to leave? Yeah, yeah, you can, you can exit right now. What, what, what are you doing in this house? Because it, it's not, how do I know you? Um, so, and they fly the X-Wing. And it only lasts 20 minutes, Will. It's only 20 minutes. It's a lovely demo where they actually, and they people always lose their minds. One of the wonderful things about it is that they lean in, you can see them leaning into the cockpit. You know, mm-hmm. and they're looking around, and because it's an X-wing, there's wires and rubbish on the floor, <laughs> and they go, "I'm not getting that." Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, but Luke did. <laughs> yeah, it's like an old coffee cup <laughs> on the ground. It's, it's, it's wonderful the way that it. That these things were basically patched together with duct tape. <laughs> and it's like, I'm getting that. So, Here you are. You're gonna get in. Um, but no, uh, I've got an Oculus Quest as well. Um, which is uh, the wireless controller. It's like a, it's a not quite Oculus Rift, but it's it's pretty close to it, and it's very liberating to use. Mm-hmm. So you have, um, and uh, one of my favourite games on it is Robo Recall, which is a ridiculously funny and very entertaining game. It's very physical, a bit like yes. Saber, uh, and there's also um, of course Super Hot, which is a fantastic game uh, on all platforms. But uh, yeah, I wish you the best of luck in that endeavour. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm but, looking forward um, to it. I'm I'm blessed that I don't ever feel nauseous playing VR games. Um, Wipeout, I play on PlayStation VR, not a problem. Just yep, it's fine. Yep, not a problem. Got a constitution of a concrete elephant. Like that's fine. <laughs> don't know, I don't know where I got it from. Just doesn't make any sense. But you know, I know a lot of friends who get very queasy very quickly, very easily. And like, nope, perfectly fine. You know, and uh, so yeah, but just be mindful of that. But no, oh, we, yeah, good luck with that. There's a whole brand new world out there. The only weird thing about it is you're completely enclosed within it. So bear that in mind. Hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to. It. I tried. Uh, I, I had one instance of getting a little bit nauseous. Uh, I think I was playing Quake Two, modded for the Oculus, and wow. I played it for maybe ten minutes, and I think the jumping. I started to feel like somebody kicked me in the stomach at one point. <laughs> That's when I put it down. Yeah. I think uh, the problem with the Quake games is that you're running at 5 million miles an hour, which you can't. Mm-hmm. That's the conceit of those games, you know. And uh, Although I still remember Quake playing it first and realizing that, oh, I can look up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is, this is and, amazing. And then, then mastering the art of circle strafing, that was, that was, a, that was a revelation. Uh, all those years of doom and not being able to do that, and now, oh, look, I could do this. They can't touch me. Yay! <laughs> right. Enough about that. Let's move on to the second half of the show where we talk about exception.
So, Will, before we can talk about deception, we need to know what it is. So what on earth is it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Exception is a uh, 2D platformer with transforming levels. Uh, as you play a level, you'll hit certain points where the and then the rest of the level will rotate and transform uh, while you remain stationary. And it kind of adds a unique element to the standard platformer uh, approach. The game itself is set inside uh, an old woman's laptop computer. We've all got relatives that will pull us aside at Thanksgiving and Christmas and ask us to help uh, get viruses and malware off of their machines. And this this nice little old lady opened up an email attachment that gave her a virus. And so you are playing inside the computer system, and your job is to try and uh, eradicate the virus. Yes. Poor old Alice. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, You've done your research. Yeah, well, yes, what I'm here for. Um, now, I'm very cautious in this show and regular listeners will know that these, these these questions are designed in such a way that they don't reveal content about the game it's very important because content um it's uh, it's spoilers basically so i do these questions are very abstract uh, in some regards so bear in mind however um there's a little bit of a spoiler but not really because it's the opening sort of segment when alice is sitting there on a computer one of the things that made me chuckle a little bit, more than a little bit, um, where she opened up her browser and half of it <laughs> was the, all these little shortcuts of things she dumped on her. And it was just like, this made me, oh, yes. Oh, oh, bless. You know. And, it brings uh, back bad memories. Oh, yeah. No, it's just, oh, they really didn't know. There was even well, I say didn't know. I mean, they've been they're, they're a little more subtle about it now. But yeah, oh boy. Um, but I do love the fact that all the warnings come up, and she just ignores them, like because oh, no one reads to... no one reads instructions on screens. No, it has to be realistic. Yeah, no one reads those. Don't be silly. The bigger the warning, the longer the writing is, the least likely are anyone to read it. Yeah, it's called yeah. Hidden in plain sight. It's just. <laughs> It said, "Don't do this" in bright red letters, right the size of your face. Like, I didn't see that. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a lovely sort of bit. But um, and yes, yeah, you the, 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 this person thing appears in in the system, and we learn about the system and what the system is, and it's all very Tron like ish, although less po faced because it Tron is a bit. I'm going to say it now. Dull. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I know. Ouch, that hurt. I, that, just, that strikes at my very core. Yes, but if you watch it, <laughs> if you want to watch it again, do you? You'll struggle to stay awake. Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. The original Tron is a little bit slower as an adult than it was as a child. It's rather dry. Yes, <laughs> but um, anyway, that aside. Um, greetings, programs. Um, uh, let's move on to to the design aspect of of the game, so we understand of the premise and the or or this thing that's in the system that's going to save the day, probably at least you think you are, or maybe not. Who knows? Not truly explained. At least it is eventually, but I'm not going into that. The moves the player has to execute are unlocked the more they play. Why did you adopt this model? Um. Gosh, that's a really excellent question. I don't know if I've sat down to think about the whole thing. I, I think 
uh, you know, there's most games have some sort of basic progression system uh, these days. And I, I wanted to include a little bit, a, a touch of a progression system. Uh, and the way there, there's a little bit of progression and exception is through unlocking additional attacks as you, as you move forward. Um, I, I think the, the two reasons, the first one is to have some, a little bit of a progression there so the player can feel like they're moving forward. And the second was, I, I, going, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, uh, with tutorials and uh, the time it takes to kind of ramp up and get going in a game. Um, I, I did want to present something very simple to the player early on, uh, just a very simple, straightforward platformer, an attack button, a jump button, and I, there's a boost button that makes you run faster. And I didn't want to dump it all in their lap at one time. Um, so the, the second component of that is just to kind of space out some of the, the concepts with the additional attacks. And so once they've mastered the, the basics of the game, then you can slowly kind of ease in a few uh, unusual mechanics. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's just very elegant where you did it. You could have like said, here's all the things... Read the read the control menu, which you and I know is basically a picture of a of a, a pad, a game pad of some description, with a thousand arrows pointing at it. Going, <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, have uh, fun. Have fun. <laughs> what is this? You know, I've said it on the show before. Apologies for repeating, but you know, put a controller in a, in a in a hand of someone who barely plays video games, if at all. It's terrifying. All of those buttons and dials and. They think they've got to use every single one, where in many cases you've only got to use four of them if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Red Dead Redemption again. Sorry, sorry everyone, but then that you got yeah, you just use every single one of those while standing on your head. So I think it's just really elegant solution because you introduce like oh okay, I can just move left and right and with the with the left thumbstick, that's great, and I can jump and I can hit things. Oh, that's good. I like hitting things with X. It's great. And then, and then you carry on. But then you, you or, or whatever, or, or, or Square, which because I was playing on the PlayStation 4. Um, whatever, it's just, you, you know, muscle memory, you know, you just know that stuff, right? You just, but then, you know, I played Strider, I know it's, you know, and then eventually you, you, you expand onto, onto more things. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit there's really no original ideas in here. So pretty much everything is lifted from something else. So if you're like me and you've played a couple of different games, you should be able to pick it up pretty fast. Granted, but the presentation and the there's there's, there's humor there, and the whole thing is is is, is different. As you know, there's nothing new under the sun, Will. So don't worry about that. That is true. Next question then is uh, I want to ask about the pace of exception because. It's not immediately apparent, but then you realise, oh, I get it. It's like N+, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So fluidity and speed are the cornerstone of play exception. If you don't get that, you if you, if you stopped, you probably played it wrong or you've done something wrong, in my experience. You may disagree, but you have to keep moving. Yeah, um, that's exactly much. right. And I, I've noticed kind of in seeing little blips about the game, I've tried to kind of keep my eyes away from too much, you know, that's been posted about it. But uh, to, you know, to your point, there's, I guess there's probably two types of players, the player that is cautious and uh, kind of eases forward in the game. And there's the player who kind of just holds down the boost button and flies to it as fast as they possibly can. And I think the latter will definitely have more fun with this game than the former. Correct. Absolutely correct. It is. This is about just bombing it 
You haven't got time to mess around. If you've stopped, either you've been hurt, you've lo- you're lost, which is not unusual, <laughs> or you, you oh, something's wrong has happened. You need to keep going. You need to keep going. I just want to ask you, how did you design it so this was understood by the player? What, um, do you think, what, what cues did you think you put into exception to inform them that keep going, keep going, keep going? You know, I'll start off by kind of conceding that I don't think I did as well of a job on that as I could have. Um, Because, like I mentioned earlier, there are some people that I've I've seen clips and they kind of – they don't use the the, the fast-running boost feature uh, and they kind of seem to take their time a little bit. And, again, that falls back to me for not conveying that in a very clear manner. But there are a couple of other mechanics in the game uh, which do encourage you to kind of move through the game as quickly as possible. The most prominent being that each level is timed. Um, as you move through each level, there's obviously a base time from start to finish that, that, that ticks off. And through the, the level process, you're able to uh, execute certain attacks uh, during the level and achieve certain things, which will give you a time bonus, which basically reduces that base time. Um, and then at the end of the level, in addition to, to clocking in the time, there's also a leaderboard system in place. So you can kind of see how you stack up against other players. So both of those aspects kind of encourage you. They kind of nudge you forward to go as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's just these... Visual cues, these movements, these everything, all of that, saying, what are you doing? There's a thing over there. Why have you stopped? <laughs> you know, basically. That's how I understood it. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. And it's, it's a common question I have on this show. If uh, I find the cornerstone of it, the anchor around it, around which you've built the game, and then I ask the question, okay, well, that's true, but how does the player know that? Because sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You know, it's... And once you create something, and it ceases to be yours anyway, when you push it out, and other people have interpretation in a different way, because it does look like other things, you know, a Bangai O, it looks a bit like that, um, <laughs> but it's not that, because that game's bonkers, and that's, the game you do need to keep moving, but the method of combat and how it works is very different. I know, I streamed it recently on, for my Dreamcast, it was great, but heavens, that's a tough game. Next question. <laughs> There are a lot of effects that encompass much of the screen. Uh, now, while they're very important, how have you managed? Have you found managing these against informing the player and where they are and what they are doing? Uh, as far as the the, the the particle effects and the mm, the, the crazy stuff, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's another thing that I think kind of ties back to me as a young child um, liking flashing things on the screen. Right. Um, anyone that's seen a clip of the game, uh, there, there is quite a bit of flashing neon particles uh, flying all over the place. And uh, you know, it's hard to believe if you look at it, but this is actually the more reined in and restrained version of uh, <laughs> of the game. I, initially, I had a, a an obscene amount of particles, and I still actually left a feature in the PC version where you can actually crank them up even higher. Um, but that, yeah, that's it's you know I don't know this is specifically what you were asking for, but finding a way to uh, add that type of <clears throat> thing, uh, that to the game uh, without overwhelming the player to such an extent that they kind of lose focus in the title itself uh, was something that was always in the forefront of my mind. Um, initial feedback from this, some of the gameplay clips uh, when I first had a lot of the effects that were to the point where extent where I think they were overwhelming 
it was pretty clear from the feedback that uh, there were there was a pr- pretty sizable chunk of the audience which was a little bit put off by the amount of stuff that was happening on the screen, and it did cause me to dial that back just a little bit. Um, it's still probably a little bit too much for some people, but uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel comfortable where it is right now. Yeah, okay, that's good. I mean, it's an interesting design challenge, isn't it? You want to make a spectacle, but not at the expense of p- informing the player what they're doing. That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. And I, someone in one of the pack shows, I think I was talking to someone that was coming through, and it's it's the the people in the shows are always very enthusiastic about you know providing feedback. And there was one guy that said, you know, I mentioned to him that. You know, the aesthetic is a little bit distracting to some people, and uh, some of the, the effects and those types of things are kind of pulled, put some people off. And he kind of suggested, well, would you rather have uh, a title which everyone ignores, or would you rather have a title that some people pay attention to and some people dislike? So I think if there, if you had to look at it in those binary terms, uh, leaning towards getting attention was kind of what I had in mind. Yep. Not all games for everyone. I mean... There's a common phrase, I encountered it about 10, 11 years ago, but not all games are fun. And you go, what? Oh, wait. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's true. I've played Papers, Please. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> See what I mean? So everyone has their own thing, and not everything has to be a, a, a violent sort of, not violent, I was about to say, uh, violent in such a violently funny um, satire, like, you know, uh, it, it's it's... You can also have something that's uh, a, a, a wonderful um, Stanley Parable, as I was thinking of the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you can also have something like yourself, which is a this is a pure arcade game, but it's not arcade in the way that it was designed to eat money from you. <laughs> because no. that's what those old games were like. That's what Ghost and Goblin. People ask why Ghost and Goblins are so punishingly difficult. Because they wanted you to pump quarters into the slot, that's why. Now, now that explains the arcade version, but the NES version also has a similar level of difficulty. Yeah, and that's because people were dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're right. The, 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 it's even more difficult on the NES. I understand that. Uh, and it's notoriously one of the most difficult games ever made. And it's like a... It's like a, a benchmark when people can complete that. They probably complete other similarly difficult games and find it easy compared to that. But um, <laughs> uh, I'd off my cap to them because I certainly can, you know, barely get past the, the first boss, let alone complete that monster. Um, and uh, yes, um, it's th- there are times in the older period where they thought that people wanted to completely replicate the arcade experience in their home. No, no, they didn't really. <laughs> it's a very bad idea. Um, so yeah, it, um, it's just I find it. I also call the, the the visual effects issue Diablo, Diablo three specifically suffers from this quite badly. In that when you're a spellcaster, we get to a point where you can't see yourself. <laughs> yeah. You just can't. It's just the whole screen shaking with explosions caused by you. <laughs> So I think I played. Uh, I think I had I had Torchlight too. I think, and I, I think I don't think it suffered from that same same challenge. But I do remember at some point powering the guy up so much that all you saw was just a massive explosions whenever you throw down the hammer or do something big. <laughs> you just you do lose a little bit of a uh, lose sight of the game at some point. Yeah, it's just like I mean, I remember I was playing with a friend, and I'd be firing away. And I say, are they dead yet? They like, keep shooting. <laughs> are they yeah, dead? Hold, hold down the mouse. I'll tell you <laughs> yeah. when to stop. Yeah, it's so clear. I couldn't see anything. 
<laughs> right. So, last question. Um, the levels, in exception, are constantly changing in terms of what is up and what is down, and even sideways. Um, when designing these levels, how what have you done to prevent the dreaded leap of faith that can plague platform games? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, as, as a bit of background, I'll say that in producing the game, because this is the, really the first one that I've uh, created, um, going in blind, I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll create a framework for the game, and then I'll start making levels, and the levels will be where it really gets fun. And it wasn't until I actually got to that point that I realized, for me, making the levels was really not that much fun. It was a very tedious process, um, particularly when you have a title like this where uh, levels shift around and transform midway through because you can't just look at the screen as you're developing the level and and see what the consequences of your decisions might be. You actually have to play through it and see, like, for example, uh, a level turns 90 degrees or something along those lines. Uh, a lot of the assumptions you made in uh, in the first iteration of the level uh, turn out to be invalid because once the level transforms in some way, the decisions you made impact the player in a negative way. Uh, it may open up a w uh, opportunity for the player to try to short-circuit the level and uh, accomplish some things that you didn't really have in mind. But going towards the, uh, the the leap of faith thing, which I think you're leaning towards, um, you know, I, gosh, I'm just trying to think. Most of, most of everything that occurred in the level design was just purely through trial and error and also through experimentation with the levels. There wasn't necessarily a big push towards coming up with a, a an initial idea and then seeing that to fruition. It was always something that started very simple and kind of evolved over time. So I can't really tell you with absolute certainty that I considered things like that going in. Um, just the, the level design itself was purely a result of trial and error, playing levels and making observations. There was no no master plan at play. I understand. And I just... What I liked about the design you've done in in exception is you can see where you're going. Right? You, you you pretty much there's no the leap of faith thing doesn't happen whether it's been by design or by accident. It just generally doesn't happen. It's oh I need to reach that platform. I can see it. I can see it. That's the point. Whereas leap of faith is that you leap off an edge and you hope there's a platform below <laughs> to catch you and. Thankfully, Mario games didn't suffer from that because they were made by a genius, this is, or people <laughs> who knew what they were doing, I should say. But, you know, when people who aren't as skilled um, did make games, platform games, they would suffer from two things. They would suffer from that leap of faith. Uh, another thing they suffer from is grease everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you just like oh, yeah. land on a platform because they called it momentum. I didn't. I called it. Grease, and yeah. you just go, you just go skidding off. I'm like, well, yes, it's kind of the close cousin to the uh, the ice level, you know, yeah. where you have the, the lower friction on each platform. And yeah. I never understood uh, as a player what the obsession was with creating ice levels. And it wasn't until I started making a game where I thought, oh, I could just alter a variable and totally turn the game design on its head. And create a whole new stage just based on you know slippery levels. Now, I, I was lucky enough not to follow through on that, but I can see in retrospect how attractive it would be. 
Indeed. And there's actually, um, there's something called, in the UK we have here, called Marioki. So it's like karaoke, right? Only the difference being is that all the lyrics are changed to sing about video games rather than the actual lyrics of the song. You know, as an American, I've never felt ashamed for my country, (laughs) but hearing that you have that in the UK, I'm just jealous. (laughs) (laughs) So... One of the songs is about ice levels and how terrible they are. You're kidding me. No, no. <laughs> so I can't right, which, which two. I'm going to get on Expedia look... and book a flight over right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's one of the most famous is ones called um, Rather Than uh, Park Life. Yeah, by, mm-hmm. um, it's a, uh, by uh, Blur. It's uh, Half Life. <laughs> all the Freemans, so many Freemans, they all go... See, it just writes itself. Wow. Yeah, it's just one of the funny. And uh, every year at Christmas time, I go down to to um, to uh, this bar uh, where they actually have this Christmas uh, event where we're all singing Christmas carols, but they're all video game related video uh, Christmas carols. Chris, I am I am humble. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. It's one of the funniest things. I think one of the f- f- best ones where they did "Let It Go." But it wasn't Let It Go, it's I'm a Bro. Because you know when these people were banging on about these indie games and stuff? Mm-hmm. It's like, look, I just want to play COD. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just crowing about, he plays FIFA and COD, and that's what he plays. Because I'm a, I'm a bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's what bros play. Because <laughs> I'm bros play. And it's just, everyone was... And also, what's lovely about Mario Key is that no one dies on stage. It's one of the golden rules. No one dies. Oh, well, well never mind then. Yeah. Uh, and you... I, you had me on board up until that point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically you, you sing along and cheer, so it's lovely. Yeah, that sounds great. Anyway, it's the end of the show. Sad face, I know. But, uh, Exception by Tracksmaster Software uh, is out now on Windows PC, Switch, PS4 and Xbox One. Um, a little question we know to ask now is that where did you get the name of the company from? I think I know what it is. Fairly obvious, but I have to ask anyway. It is, yeah. It, it's your name, basically, isn't it? Well, it's uh, it's funny. Um, my brother, when he was, I think, in college, my last, my last name is Traxler. My brother, when he was right. in college, ordered a laptop from a special on Dell, but you have to have, had to be a corporation to get the special. So he made up a name called Traxmaster Industries, and for several years after he ordered this laptop, my parents would get junk mail all the time for Tracksmaster Industries. So uh, I thought that was absurdly uh, overdone. So I figured I'd, I'd steal the name for this company. That's, gee, this is why I asked that question now. I they just started asking it because I realized that I have some very strange name developers on the show. No offense to any of my guests, please. But some of them like, what? Okay, I'll just run with it. It's like, you know, yellow pig. What is that? It's a pig that's yellow. But um, <laughs> Yellow Pig Games, fine, good, I'm all right with that. But no, thanks for that. And uh, Will, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you so, so much for being on. You've been a great guest. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Yes, and I do wish you the very, very best of luck in uh, the release of Exception, which is out now, I've already said. And, of course, you're welcome to come back to talk about whatever next game is cooking underneath your head right now. Um, we have had return guests, and it would be great to have you on to chat about whatever that is. Um, But yes, thanks very much. Super, thank you.